The views expressed by the hosts are their own and does not imply an endorsement of any entity they represent. Will you just flip it? Hello Garbos and welcome to the very 24th episode. Back as usual is Ewan and via Skype we have Patrick again. Here I am. So we... um. Today on the episode, we were having a discussion the other day and we just wanted to do a quick one on the union strikes in the US and how does it work. So, Patrick uh, invited me to a, gar- a couple of the Garbo pages, in a, oh, Facebook pages um, in the US and a bunch of them are striking at the moment, so... We um, we thought it might have been content enough to to talk about. So yeah. um, so I, I think disclaimer required. What we are neither pro or against union. You, um, uh, Ewan is a union member. I'm not. Um, the only reason I'm really not anymore is the company that I'm at is a smaller. Um, small operation. We don't work off of an EBA. We have a private contract. Um, we get paid really well. Um, it, it's one of those things. It's not. I'm not by any measure anti-union, and you know, um, Ewan's not out there with a massive TWU sticker across the back windscreen. So it's not just putting that out there that anything we say here either pro or against, because this is how these episodes can sometimes get. It is not us saying that we think. If you think, if you think a union is going to be good for you and you are happy to join it, by all means, awesome, join it. They can be really, really helpful in some situations. But by the same measure, if you don't feel that way, that's totally cool too. So um, one thing that surprised me uh, when I started talking to Patrick about it is the such variance of wages in America. Like um, there's people that are on... Like ten, eight, ten bucks an hour driving a garbage trucks, and like their brother next to them can be on thirty five dollars an hour driving the exact same garbage truck. So it seems like the like the strikes. Like I know that was a bush or someone was trying to get rid of unions over there a while ago, and it seems like. I think a lot of people have tried to get rid of unions over there. Yeah, it just seems like there's been this big push for unions again at the moment, and it's all based on um, the like the um, wage difference between people in the yards. Like, and it's not it's not like five dollars an hour. We're talking up to fifteen to twenty dollars an hour differences. Yep. And and look over in the US again. The the other thing that they've got is they're obviously dealing with um, uh, their healthcare and yeah they they've got a very they're very much on a non standardized setup over there. So some some companies are paying you know um, more paid leave you know sick leave. Um, you know, better medical and everything like that, and some companies are paying virtually none of those things. Um, so there's there's a lot 
more at stake. You know, we're guaranteed a lot of things here in Australia and in Europe that the it's it's not it's not getting into a discussion over whether or not they've got this this setup right or not. It's just very different. So their reasons to strike are not purely based just on money. They can be based on a lot of the stuff that goes in in the in the background as well. So I'm just trying to find the trying to find the article on it as we speak because we're so uh, professional at at our, at our podcast. And well, it's so the main the main one the main or the main ones have been over there. Um, uh, it's I, I think a lot of it is in San Diego, um, but there has been like there is always because again it's yard by yard by yard. There is. Um, a lot of um, a lot of strikes that happen all the time. Yeah, well, I'm a, I just googled garbage strike New York, <laughs> and they love a strike. There's like yeah, 1968, 1981. Uh, the, again, though, it, it depends whether you're talking about um, uh, the. Um, so the DSNY is one of the biggest operations in the whole world. Um, and those guys get paid really, really well. I think they were – there's actually a thing because of last year with all the people off and everything, um, you know, with the the thing that's going around at the moment that forever in is going to be referred to as the spicy flu. Um, um, there were some guys that were earning like $250,000, $300,000 as part, uh, part of the Department of Sanitation New York because of the hours that they were doing. They were doing these obscene amount of hours because they had – the, the the bosses weren't in a position to say no that's enough work for this week um if people were willing to take on the shifts they were willing to take them on jesus so hey you know freaking awesome to them but see there's to get into the dsny you have to even there's actually an exam you have to sit it's it's a full-on thing like it's the type of job that once you're in it you'll never probably leave that ever um you know but they also yeah, it's it's full on. Like if you have a look at some videos on YouTube of just literally putting DSNY um, rear lift or something like that, have a look at what those guys do and you can see why they're worth the money. Yeah, and see um, another thing that about New York Waste, they don't have, they don't have bins or no. if you're American, cans. Cans. So all their rubbish is thrown on the road and then the trucks come along and throw like the runners come along and throw them in the back of the truck. Like it's hard work and they work 12 hours a day. They work for their money. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so the striking thing that, so that's, that's probably the most important thing though to look at is that the striking is not just, it's not just about purely the dollars per hour. Um, it is also in relation to, you know, their um, what they're actually wanting as part of their contracts. Um, so, you know, I'm looking here. It was the most recent sort of big one was um, uh, was in San Diego, um, which is uh, they use Republic Services there. So, Republic Services, and I think I think waste management also have though a really interesting way of dealing with strikes, which is they have what they call Republic called Blue Crew because obviously the, the colour of their trucks are blue. 
And they are a mobile force of Garbos from all over the US that can be called in. So basically, um, um, what do they what do they call them? The uh, line breakers or oh scabs? Oh, scabs. Yeah, I was looking for the more technical term, but you know, um, yeah. So the, these guys are that's what they're literally for. They um, will go to any part of any part of the um, of of the US, and they will do it. because I suppose you know the thing with the waste industry, which is interesting about strikes is that the strikes usually, I think uh, to, to say as a, a benchmark, don't go for very long because of exactly, you know, it's not like, you know, that you can't get shoes on the shelf at target. It's, it, it does start become a health issue. And so they've, their sort of argument from their end is that, Hey, we're, uh, we're offering the ability to still service these customers um, while the um, while the normal workers are on strike. Yeah, yeah, and see, the thing is, so I really don't like the name Scab because, okay, I understand you have a problem with your employer because of their payments and stuff like that, but the other thing, the thing that I don't like about the whole situation is the bloke that comes in to do the job, he's got a family to pay, he's got a family to feed, he's got this, he's got that. And I understand you've got the argument of, oh, well, if he if he stood with us, then um, we would get what we want. But not everyone has the ability to get employment. Like, when I, I know I bring the minds up all the time, but... When I was in the mines, I was a contract, like, for the first six and a half years, I was a contractor. And um, I was young, I was naive, I thought I'll do overtime, do work as much as I can and I'll get a job. A bloke come up to me one day, um, nice bloke, I I think his name was Richard, not sure, and he said to me, he said, look, mate, he said, the best advice I'm ever going to give you is you will never get full-time employment at the place that you're a contractor because you're more valuable as a contractor because they can just fuck you off whenever they want. And I didn't really believe it until, like, I left, had a couple more, like, worked at a couple more mines, went back to the original mine that I got trained up at couldn't get a job like seven times I applied could not get a job I left and the moment I left I pulled a, I pulled a permanent job I don't know what it is but companies seem to there's a lot of companies out there that are just like well I can piss you off whenever you want and then when you do decide to leave they're like oh what are you leaving for yeah yeah it's, 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 I like that thing that comes up on Facebook all the time it's like you know people don't leave Bad bosses, they le- bad jobs, they leave bad bosses. I think that's absolutely correct. <laughs> uh. But I was just like reading through all of this, and you know, it's obviously different websites give you know the, the headline on this site is Republic Services mobilizes scab labor against striking workers. It, it it depends on the website you go to as to how it's all all described. But the the reality is, like I was reading here, this is interesting. This particular one in San Diego um, was 
that um, they're on sixteen dollars an hour. So the 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 standard um, minimum wage in California is fifteen dollars an hour. But they 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 were also asking for better trucks and better safety equipment. Um, but the thing is, they're living in California, which is one of the most expensive places to live in the US. And that's the point that they were making is they're saying that the company's argument was that they're not looking at the lab, the, the, lab, <laughs> the labor market rates. And that, you know, if, if the, this is where I think the problem happens in the US with not having it sort of somewhat standardized is that. In Australia, if you move from Melbourne to Sydney, you might get an extra dollar an hour. If you do what I'm looking at doing and moving from you know Melbourne to Adelaide, you might get a dollar less an hour. But you're not going to get like I'm not going to move to Adelaide and all of a sudden go from thirty five dollars an hour to twenty two dollars an hour because it's just not going to happen. Um, over there, these guys literally can move two states over, and they've all of a sudden you know on ten fifteen dollars more an hour just because they've moved states. Um, I can tell you now, you, there's no way you could live in California for $16 an hour. Like, you couldn't. The other thing that um, amazed me about the posts that are coming up on this site is the amount of tips that they get. Like, so I... Everyone knows I'm a sideloader. Everyone knows who I work for. I won't mention it because I'm not allowed to. But, like, my job is I go to work, I get paid to do my work, and then I go home. One thing that really amazed me about America is they don't have council, like their counties, which is equal to the council in Australia, they don't run their own waste some do, but very few do. The standard. Sorry, I'm going to interject here just for a second, just sort of explain yeah. it to the people from who aren't from the US. What basically happens is when you move into a house in the US, let's say you're moving into fucking somewhere in New Jersey, you have to ring waste management, Republic, um, one of the smaller local companies, and you sign a contract with them to pick up. So you could literally have six different trucks driving down the street on three days a week and they'll be picking up this house. They'll be picking up number one, number six, number 12 and number 45. And that's it. That's how it works over there. There is some counties which say you can only pick between A and B or you can only pick number A. But if you don't want to go with them, then you you know can take your own, you know, you can organize your own waste removal sort of thing. But it is generally the case over there that there is a choice for residents. I think more, I think when you get into the cities, the choice, the system changes a little bit, but when you're more out in suburbia, it is very much a, you pick whoever you want and you pay them for it. Yeah. I, that, that blew my mind. It's like over here, your, your rubbish collection is included in your rates where over there it's like, if you don't like Joe Bob picking up your bin, you can literally ring another company and say, "I'm sick of Joe Bob. Yeah, um, I want this. I want you to pick it up, 
So it's literally like, yeah, I just, yeah, it just amazed me how different it is over there. And the the other thing is, um, when you, I suppose, when you you look at all of this stuff, is that it it it's a system though that does it overall it does work, um, but it's just completely different to what you we're used to, just utterly different to what we're used to. I was just reading, um, I was just reading in here that like there is, it does seem to be a lot more of the big companies that are on strike, like Republic and Waste Management seem to be the the, the most common... Um, well, I mean... <laughs> the common problem. We've kind, um, we've kind of would, proved that imagine. with who you Sorry. work... We've kind of proved that with you, who you work for. How much trouble did you have with the yeah, big well, that, blue company? Like and we, we, got, um, we got our industrial action approved. Um, and, however, we decided that we weren't going to not do our jobs what we decided because you know again in australia you can d- elect the type of action that you chose we chose to do a paperwork ban which basically meant that we would still go out and pick up our customers but we wouldn't touch our computers yeah um which meant that the company would have no idea which jobs were picked up and which ones weren't so they had no ability to invoice customers so the customer was still getting picked up we were still getting paid for our work the only people to lose out was the company because they had no way, they were sending the trucks out on the road paying us. The customers may or may not have been getting collected. I don't know. I can't tell you. You're not <laughs> using the computer. So that there is alternative ways, but again, I don't think it's quite the same in in the US. Yeah. So we'll leave the strike thing there. Um, I do have an article. It is a US article. Um, just to finish the podcast off, we'll do a little one to this time around. So what is wish cycling to waste waste experts explain? Wish cycling is putting something in the recycling bin and hoping it will be recycled. (laughs) Oh, my God, I love that. That's that's like, well, look, completely different to you. That is the same as, I have to bring this up now, that is the same as customers (coughs) putting pallets in cardboard bins and saying, but they make card they make cardboard out of trees. That is a perfect example of wish cycling. What the? F- yeah, that happens. All, oh, haven't I ever told you that? No. Customers have literally said to me, "I've just put that pallet in there. That should be okay, shouldn't it?" Because cardboard is made from trees. Oh Jesus Christ! <laughs> no, that is not okay, Karen. Uh, so, well, you know a lot about wish cycling with the current. Our, uh, the current recycling issues down in Victoria at the moment of everyone is wish cycling and it's going to the tip. So yeah, I think that's everywhere though. <laughs> so wish cycling is putting something in the recycling bin and hoping it will be recycled, even if there's little evidence to confirm the assumption. Hope is central to wish, wish cycling. I'm going to stuff that up by the end of this article. People may not be sure the system works, but they too, but they choose to believe that if they recycle an object, it will become a new product rather than being buried in landfill, burnt or dumped. <laughs> if, if you tell a lie long enough, people will start to believe it. <laughs> Isn't that called gaslighting? Yes. 
The US recycling industry was launched in the 1970s in response to public concern over litter and waste. The growth of recycling and collection programs changed consumers' view of waste. It didn't seem entirely bad if it could lead to the creation of new products by via recycling. Pro-recycling messages from government corpora- governments, corporations and environmentalists promoted and reinforced recycling behaviour. This was especially true for plastics that had resin identification codes inside a triangle of chasing arrows, indicating the item that was recyclable, even though that was usually far from the truth. In fact, only resins 1, polyethylene, terephthalate, or PEAT, and 2, high-density polyethylene, or HDPE, are relatively easy to recycle and have viable markets. The others are hard to recycle, so some jurisdictions don't even collect them. Go away. I've just got here the Tony Tony Robbins, you know, the, the self-help guy. If you tell yourself a lie long enough, you start to believe it. <laughs> so wish cycling entered public consciousness in 2018 when China launched Operational National Sword a sweeping set of restrictions on imports of most waste materials from abroad. See, another name that has been introduced into the Australian language. What? Wish cycling. Wish cycling. Like? A lie is not alive if you believe it's true. Wait on. Oh, my God, I've got it. I've worked it out. It's people's personal truth on recycling. <laughs> it's my it's, personal truth that I, if I put these nappies in the recycling bin, that they'll get recycled. It's the they, them, their, why, thy of recycling. Yeah. Z- Z- Over the preceding 20 years, China has purchased millions of tonne of scrap metal, paper and plastic from wealthy nations for recycling, given those countries an easy and cheap option for managing waste materials. The China scrap restrictions created enormous waste backups in the US where the governments had under-invested in recycling systems. Oh, wow, a government who is reactive, not proactive. (laughs) Consumers saw that recycling was not as reliable or environmentally friendly as previously believed. As Patrick said, if you believe something, it is true. An unlikely correlation of actors in the recycling sector conned the term wish cycling in an effort to educate the public about effective recycling as they emphasise wish cycling can be harmful. Contaminating the waste stream with materials that is not actually recyclable makes the sorting process more costly because it requires extra labour. Wish cycling also damages sorting systems and equipment and depresses an already fragile trading market. Huge waste management companies in small cities and towns have launched educational campaigns on this issue. Their mantra is, when in doubt, throw it out. In other words, the only place material that truly can be recycled in your bin. This message is hard for many environmentalists to hear, but it costs costs for the recyclers and local governments. We also believe it's important to understand that the global waste crisis wasn't created by consumers who failed to wash mayonnaise jars or separate plastic bags. The biggest drivers are global. 
They they included capitalistic reliance on consumption, strong international waste trade incentives and lack of standardised recycling policies and the devaluation of used resources. To make further progress, governments and business will have to think more about designing products with disposable and reuse in mind, reducing consumption of single-use products and making massive investments in recycling infrastructure. Which we've had a discussion on that the other week where I went off my nut at the amount of polystyrene that was in my truck and flying out going along the road and you said how um, you've noticed that a lot of products you've been buying is cardboard packaging. Yeah, there's very few... um very few things now that I've bought. So like either Amazon's packaging is completely changed. So they don't use those bags or anything anymore. They just use either scrunched up cardboard or the, that weird stuff. That's like, it's been cut up with like a, a, a pasta cutter sort of thing. Yeah. Um, and um, yeah, the f- last couple of electrical things that I've bought have had no plastic on them. It's just, it's all been, um, uh, like cardboard and stuff like that. So, which is good. Like, don't be wrong. I'm I'm all for that stuff as long as it is real. Like, it's not just a it's not just a, a, a fake thing. And then they, you know, um, and then they, you know, like you unpack the whole kettle, for example, and then the freaking um, the base is all wrapped in plastic, or the 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 book is wrapped in plastic. Well, congratulations, you've done a good job, and then you fucked it up. Yeah. Um, you know, or as long as it's not, you know, stuff that you're paying an extra $50 for that item because they've changed to that. Um, it just needs to be one of those things where companies need to look at stuff. I noticed, um, in the, U- in the U S or the UK, um, shark ninja, the company that makes like shark vacuum cleaners and, um, the ninja blenders and stuff, they actually now anything that's bought online so like not for not from a retail store all of those um uh those products now come in like unprinted or like not glossy boxes they just come in the normal plain cardboard boxes so it still obviously says on it what it is and everything like that but they're not like yeah i I think they've made the argument well hey why do we need to um you know print this and make it all look pretty and everything like that when it's literally just going from the shelf of amazon you know, to your living room. Um, I think that's really good because that's one of those examples though where they're saving money on the printing, but they're also making a more recyclable product. So it's a win-win type scenario. Yeah, because I think those, um, I think those glossy cardboard. I don't think it's very recyclable, is it? Um, I think it's still recycled. I think it's just slightly like I think they have to like they can't have like an entire batch of that. Because I think it's it is, it, it's it's to some extent. I think it's got some form of. It's not like wax cardboard like lettuce boxes, but it is. It, it's more difficult. I I believe. I believe it's more difficult to recycle. Yeah. So again, if you get, but that's that type of thing. Like that, that's cost that company probably nothing, but it's got a benefit to it. Yeah. Right, I will leave it at there. So we hope you enjoyed the podcast. Hit us up on Instagram if, uh, what is it, Just Flip It Podcast. I'm on Instagram there. Um, I have been checking it more regularly. 
Uh, also, email us at justflipitpodcast at gmail. We're looking for articles. We're looking for topics. Let us know if we're doing a good job. Let us know if we're doing a shit job. No one tells us we're doing a shit job, so we're just going to keep doing it. <laughs> Thanks for listening. <laughs>